0: Hey, this is Stu at BitcoinFi, the cross-section between financial independence and crypto. Hope you all are doing well. I've been a little behind schedule casting those pods. I've just been busy with work, but getting back into it today. So, a quick update on the market. It's been pretty stable the last few days after a flash crash down to 42,000, that's Bitcoin this past weekend. Ethereum held a little bit stronger, and I've seen some on-chain analysis guy a few weeks back that said that we needed to see a dip lower before going to a new all-time high. And if I remember right, they had said, yeah, I expect another dip and I am targeting 44K. This is a combination between technical analysis and on-chain analysis. It's pretty interesting stuff and I'm still just learning the basics of it. Technical analysis is kind of voodoo to me, but I get some of the on-chain analysis. And one of these days I'm going to do a podcast on On chain analysis. Overall, I'm not too worried about the market in general, even though it's crashed quite a bit. But it was a little bit disappointing that Plan B's model had missed its price target for the November close. He was calling for a 98,000 November close, but it's still kind of within the expected range of the stock to flow model, which right now is suggesting that the price should be around 80,000 or so. Now, In 2017, if you look at the chart of that run up, I'll put that in the companion blog post. But there were five or six 20 to 40% drawdowns on its way from 3K to 19K. So on its way from 3,000 to 19,000, multiple 30% drawdowns roughly. This is just part of the process with crypto. Part of the reason it's so volatile is there are fewer people in crypto than there are in stocks. And there's also no breakers. So if stocks start to go too crazy up or down, I think, mostly down, what happens when stocks go too crazy is they will halt trading for, I think, 5, 10, 15 minutes or something. They'll let people think through their decisions and parse some news and some data before they open it back up for more buying and selling. And this happened last in the spring of 2020. There was a few times when the market was crashing 5% a day. They'd put on the breakers they let people think things through a little bit, then unlock it, and then it it would crash some more, and then they would lock it back up again. And crypto doesn't have anything like this. There's another factor where some of the traders get leverage, and then they set up stop losses to protect their profits. But when the market gets spooked, when people are selling, there's all this downward pressure, and it will hit some stop losses, which automatically triggers more selling and more selling pressure, more downward pressure on the price. And it just kind of cascades down where people are panic selling. These stop losses are triggering and starts to cause a downward spiral of selling, 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 and just liquidation. And it's a vicious cycle, especially with these leveraged traders that are using debt so that they can invest more. And because they're using debt, sometimes they are forced to sell because they don't want to get underwater they don't want to get a margin call. They don't want to end up with less than what they started with. So that's what happens sometimes and they call it just flushing out leverage. Anyway, that's that's just a brief update. That's my take on why it crashed down. It seems like things are expected to range from the high 40s to 51 or 53k is the resistance that they're trying to break. It doesn't look very good for Plan B's prediction for 135k for the December close. I don't think that's going to play out. But most of the guys on Twitter and on Cointelegraph, all these analysts seem to think that we are still in a bull market. I have a blog post about the halving. I'll link that in the show notes. And there's this argument that the four-year cycle, every four years when the amount of Bitcoin miners get rewarded for validating blocks on the chain, and then the price adjusts every time this halving happens every four years, there's a narrative that, the cycle is lengthening and just maturing and that there are potentially diminishing returns in this cycle. So I also watched a pretty interesting video on that. Maybe I'll share that too in the show notes. Anyway, that's my take on what's going on in the market at this time. And hopefully it's not too stressful for you. It was a really good buying opportunity. I wish I had more cash that I could have put in, but I wasn't able to take advantage of it. Well, on to today's topic. I wanted to talk about some of the exchanges that I use and tokens that they have, what's known as utility tokens. I got a listener question about this on November 24th, but I didn't get to address it until now because of Thanksgiving break. And this was actually a friend of mine. He texted me on November 24th and he said, quote, What do you think of the Crypto.com coin? Sound investment? End quote. And my response was, not anymore, it just pumped, and you missed it. The thing is, is this is a crucial mistake a lot of people make, is kind of fomoing into these altcoins, these coins that they don't know about. And by the time you're hearing about it, by the time you're seeing that it's insane games, like, for the most part, you have missed it. You need to be buying what's out of the spotlight. And if you get lucky and wait for a pump, anyway, there's there's more research that needs to go into it. We'll talk about altcoins more later. Because he said that he wanted to learn more about those. But my point to him was it just pumped. And it's pretty funny because I just looked at the chart. And the day that he texted me, November 24th, was the day that the CRO token, which is the Crypto.com token, it topped out at $0.95. Today it's at $0.61. So it's steadily fallen since then. And if he'd have bought that day and FOMO'd in, that's fear of missing out, if he had just bought out of FOMO, he'd have a 30% loss on that money, and that's not ideal. A little bit about Crypto.com. It's an exchange, and they just got the naming rights for the Staples Center in Los Angeles. They paid $700 million to have their brand's name on that stadium for the next 20 years. It's where the Lakers play, so it's a pretty famous stadium. It gets a lot of TV. It's Part of the mainstreamification of cryptocurrencies. So a little bit about the token. I wanted to talk about some of these. This is kind of a category. Within crypto, you have Bitcoin, which is marketing itself as digital gold in a way. That's kind of the narrative. And Litecoin is also kind of in the same category as Bitcoin. Litecoin has marketed itself as silver. If Bitcoin is digital gold, Litecoin is digital silver. Bitcoin has 21 million tokens. Litecoin has 84 million. So it's four times as common. And that was the whole point of the creator of Litecoin was to have a digital silver instead of a digital gold. It's a pretty simple concept there. But there's some other different categories of tokens, and I'm going to talk about these over time. But today we're talking about utility tokens. There are several, and here's a non-comprehensive list. There's the Binance coin, which has a ticker of BNB. There's the Voyager token, associated with the Voyager app. It's a Canadian exchange. And their token is called VGX. And then there's the Nexo token, associated with the Nexo app. And I think it's just called Nexo. Celsius is another exchange that has a token. It's called CEL or Cell. And then there's another exchange called FTX. And they have a token by the same name, FTX. They also just got the naming rights to a smaller stadium in Florida. I can't remember which one at the moment. But anyway, what's with these utility tokens? I'll give a brief overview on some of them. Probably the one I'm the most familiar with is Binance token and the Voyager token. So back when I got into crypto in 2017, December, I mostly thought I'd missed the boat on Bitcoin. So I bought Ethereum and then I wanted to diversify and spread things out and go into all these other coins. And the only way I knew to do back in those days was to use Binance, which was which was a Chinese exchange. Now, since then... Binance has a different company for U.S. customers. But we can't use the Chinese exchange anymore. But they're essentially the same thing. So I was using Binance, the Chinese version, back in 2017. And I took my Ethereum and I was going to trade my Ethereum into these other coins like OMG and Lisk and all these things that have kind of fallen by the wayside. And what they let you do is they let you trade Ethereum for any other token. So you could trade your Ethereum for Polkadot. You could trade your Bitcoin for Solana or Algorand or any number of tokens, right? They let you go between coins without having to deposit dollars first. You deposit crypto like Bitcoin or Ethereum and you trade it straight into altcoins. And I went straight from Ethereum into some of these other coins, but then I noticed the BNB coin. I read up on it. And basically what you do is you would trade your Ethereum for Binance coin. And then you would go from Binance coin to whatever other coin you wanted to. And the reason why you would do it is you paid less fees on the trade. So it actually made sense. So I did use the Binance coin. I took $1,500, put it into ETH, transferred it over to Binance, put that into Binance coin. Back then, Binance coin was $3. a token. And this is one of the more painful things because probably the best thing I could have done in 2017 was to leave my money in the Binance coin because right now it's at about $600 a token. If you do the math, I put $1,500 in. That would have been $300,000 today. I have none of it left. So I put it into these other altcoins that have fallen by the wayside. But that's the whole purpose of Binance Coin is an intermediate coin. It's kind of like a middleman. You take your Bitcoin or Ethereum, you trade it into Binance, and then from Binance, you go into whatever else you want. You save fees. So that's why. Now, Binance Coin also has smart contracts on it now. So it, in theory, is also a competitor to Ethereum, although I'm not sure how much their smart contract capabilities get used, but it is part of their thing. So that's the Binance coin. The Voyager coin, VGX, is quite a bit different. On Voyager, it's a Canadian exchange. It's only an app. And basically, if you buy 500 VGX tokens, so you you stake the token. It's a proof-of-stake protocol. I have a blog post on that, too. And they pay you 7%. So if I bought 500 Voyager tokens... I would get a 7% return on the Voyager tokens. But the Voyager tokens can fluctuate as well. So they go up and down depending on what the market does. And I'm trying to look it up right now and see VGX, the Voyager token. It's the 89th biggest coin by market cap. Right now it is $3.89. So just under $4. And to buy 500 of them... That would cost you $2,000. If you put $2,000 in there roughly, you would have enough to get in the loyalty program. And that $2,000 now is going to fluctuate in the Voyager token. But you are going to earn 7% reward just for owning the token. And then Voyager pays, I think, 5% on Bitcoin and Ethereum. And they're going to give you an extra half a percent. Okay, Instead of earning 5%, you're earning five and a half percent, right, on everything. So if there there's tokens that they pay ten percent, there's tokens that they pay one percent, and you're just going to get extra half percent boost that you're going to earn. They also have a new debit card where you get crypto back rewards, and you get a bigger referral if you refer friends. They give you a discount on their withdrawal fees. They give you access to the desktop because Voyager is only an app right now. So, they have three tiers you either have to do five hundred, which is two grand roughly five thousand is the next tier, so that'd be twenty grand and then you could be a navigator that's uh twenty thousand tokens, so that'd be eighty thousand dollars anyway, that's how they work. they tier it, and I guess it makes sense for some people. um I will say the token v g x just in the last year. Let's see how it's done. It's done. 2,189% as of today. So in the last year, it's done pretty well. And I think the reason why is people get in this. Back earlier in the year, the Voyager token was less than $0.15. Cents. And so you could get 500 really easy and get all these benefits. It's a lot more cost prohibitive now because you'd have to put in 2000 just to get that. Um, the CRO token, so that's what my friend specifically was asking about. They also have trading rebates. Whenever you use the CRO token on Crypto.com, instead of cash, you get a discount on the trade, you get 10% interest, and you you get a referral program bonus and access to something called the Syndicate. I'm not sure what that is even. I'd have to look it up. But anyway, they also have some tiers where they're going to give you some discount on trading. So... That is the CRO token. Celsius, their token, they give you more priority in line for loans. They give you better earning rates, better dollar loan rates, better coin loan rates, and premium support. And I can link a video about that from the CEO himself. Nexo, probably the one I know the least about, but I can link that site too. Looks like they have 0% borrowing rates, more buy, sell, and swap discounts. Let's see. Yeah, I don't really know that much about those ones. There's a handful. Many apps and exchanges have them. Now, one of my main criticisms, and I also don't know a lot about this, but I was watching a YouTube video from Dan Held. I will also link that in the show notes. And he said that he doesn't like these exchanges that use utility tokens. So here's a quote that I lifted from his YouTube video. And it says, Many people ask me if they should use a lending service that has a token. I think that adding a token increases regulatory and structural risk. Note that these token lending services will often tout that they are, quote, regulatory compliant, end quote, But in reality, they've only filed a Form D with the Securities and Exchange Commission, which means it should only be available to accredited investors. And they often claim to have some sort of insurance. But this is actually BitGo's $100 million insurance, which covers all BitGo custody customers. That's all he really gives me. Basically, he is saying that he does not like Celsius Voyager, Nexo, Crypto.com, whichever other ones I may have missed, he does not like those services for earning yield on your Bitcoin or on your Ethereum or earning yield on anything. He's got a pretty good video that explains how he earns yield with his Bitcoin in different ways that you can do this, but his preference seems to be leaden. He also seems to like BlockFi, although BlockFi is paying way less interest. They have tiers where you're just not getting a whole lot anymore. The rates that you can get on some of these exchanges is anywhere between 4 and 10 or 12%. So you can get some really good rates on all of these exchanges that I've mentioned. It just depends on the coin. But anyway, uh, he points to this one exchange called CRED that filed for bankruptcy this year. And it seems like this token risk played some small part in it at least. Maybe a big part. I'm not really sure. I still would have to do some more research and there's not a lot of public info, but I do have a link to an article that I'll include. So anyway, that's that. Those are utility tokens. Those are some of the exchanges that use them. There are more, but I hope that answers the question and paints a picture that you don't want to get the fear of missing out. When you see something going up, just let it go. You don't want to just throw everything you have in it, go all in. You want to be careful. You want a dollar cost average in most likely. Now, my friend had suggested that I cover altcoins more on this podcast instead of just Bitcoin and also Ethereum I kind of cover. I haven't really gone deep on Ethereum. What I've found is the more I get into crypto, the more of a Bitcoin maximalist I become, the more I stop caring about altcoins as much. But I still like Ethereum as well. It does a lot of potential and utility and adoption, and I think it's a great platform for a lot of things, although it's not without its problems. I just want to point something out. There's an interesting quote. This is from a person named Lynn Alden. I'm not even sure who this is. I came across this in a Facebook group, but here's the quote. Always consider trade-offs. There are about 15,000 cryptocurrencies in existence as of this writing, identified by CoinMarketCap. Bitcoin's share of the total cryptocurrency market changes over time. But for example, it currently has about the same share of the market. Which So Bitcoin of the entire crypto market is 40%. And it has about the same share now against these 15,000 coins as it did four years ago when there was only 1,500 coins. So altcoins have mostly diluted each other. The way altcoins market themselves generally is to highlight the shortcomings of Bitcoin as though it were old tech or, quote, boomer coin, and then explain how they are better than Bitcoin. When you dig into them, however, it turns out they are making tremendous trade offs in one area to achieve additional capability elsewhere. They are sacrificing some degree of security, decentralization, auditability, and so forth in order to achieve things like more features, more speed, or more throughput. And now the same thing is happening to Ethereum. Newer smart contract chains offer greater efficiency in exchange for more centralization, and then criticize Ethereum for not sacrificing more decentralization to scale faster. When truly better ideas come along for a small part of the protocol, after years of proof, Bitcoin developers supported by the users eventually tend to incorporate them into Bitcoin, with a consensus soft fork, such as the SegWit and the Taproot updates. So pause from this quote. Bitcoin has had a couple of updates over the years. One is SegWit, which is short for Segregated Witness. I don't know anything about it, honestly. The other one is Taproot, and I know a little bit about it. It improves the fungibility. It improves the processing. And I can link that in the show notes to explain what the taproot update is it actually just happened not that long ago a couple weeks ago let's continue this quote it says crypto exchanges with numerous coins have an incentive to get you excited about new coins because they make money from trading volumes even if it's just meme coins like doge or Shiba inu with briefly lived spikes they want to get you in on the action especially near the top of the spike when enthusiasm is high Their financial incentive is for their users to hold a large number of coins and trade those coins frequently, and they are happy to highlight whatever coins happen to be popular at the moment. In that environment, it's the house exchange that wins either way. To the extent that an investor chooses to speculate in digital assets other than Bitcoin, they should always be able to answer the question, what are the trade-offs, for one protocol compared to another before they decide to buy. Overall, I conceptualize Bitcoin as monetary assets and smart contract platform tokens as equity securities. Each person has their own reasoning and penchant for speculation or long-term investing, but make sure you understand what you're getting into when you venture into blockchains other than the Bitcoin network rather than buying into the market without verifying each claim. So, again, this just is saying... There's a lot of coins out there, there's a lot of distractions. But for the last 4 years or more, Bitcoin is 40% of the market, roundabout. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. It's I've seen it as high as 45% or, or maybe even more. So if the market cap of crypto is 1 trillion, Bitcoin is, you know, 40 or 45% of that. And similarly, Ethereum is around 20%. And so altcoins make up the other 40%. So it's 40-20-40. 40% 40 Bitcoin, 20% Ethereum, 40% altcoins. And these altcoins don't dilute Bitcoin so much as they dilute each other. They don't dilute Ethereum either. We have 10x the amount of altcoins listed on CoinMarketCap, which is a site that lists every coin and which exchange you can buy it and those prices. So we have 10x the amount of altcoins, but Bitcoin and Ethereum dominate the market at the same rate. I'm not saying that you can't make money in altcoins, not saying that some of them are not solving unique, interesting problems and have some use case that is viable. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that I don't really have any interest in those because. Those are short-term bets, and I don't want to get involved in those for the most part. At least for me, it makes sense that if you don't really want to lose money, stick with Bitcoin and Ethereum. They're going to go places. They have the bigger network. They have more adoption. Everything else is kind of a new distraction. And that new altcoin that you're hearing about, it's just being pumped. And I think for the most part, you ought to let those things go and stay focused on what's really important. At the bare minimum, read the white paper. See what they're solving. Check and see if they have an active development team. If they don't have some of these things, then I wouldn't put my money into it. Now, I say this, but it was only a couple months ago that I I FOMO'd into a token called Loopring, LRC. And I put $100 in. It was pumping like crazy. It it tripled at one point and I think I'm still at a double even with the market down right now. So yeah, I probably just need to sell my altcoins and put them into Bitcoin and Ethereum. That's my take on things. We can still talk about altcoins from time to time. If you have any questions, let me know. I'm going to be adding a new feature where you can voice record a question and then I can play that on the podcast and then we'll answer that Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show. Also, I just wanted to give a quick reminder that for the month of December, I'm going to have a giveaway of $100 in either Bitcoin or Ethereum. Anyone that leaves an honest review, takes a screenshot, and emails that to me, let me know the username that you put your review under, and you will be entered into the drawing to win that $100. And let me know if you want it in Bitcoin or Ethereum, and we'll get that arranged. All right. With that, remember that financial independence is doable and I'll be back with you soon.